This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. <laughs> Taking you beyond the field and inside the locker room. And that finish just breaks down the house with the right hand. Oh, Derek White. Goodness gracious. A career ender. Now, here are your hosts, Jake Shapiro and Allie Monroy. Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern. As always, you heard Ryan's voice off the top there with our call of Derek White's fantastic slam dunk that landed him the fourth spot on SportsCenter. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your views, that's all you're going to hear of Ryan today. Less puns. Yes, yes, yes. You heard the woman. Uh, <laughs> that is all we're going to hear of Ryan today. This is the first ever BSN Buffs podcast. I think this is podcast number 60 without Ryan Koningsberg. The only other time Ryan has not been on the podcast was for one segment when me and Will were doing it over the summer, and that's when my win prediction came up. Of uh, oh. So we have a great history of podcasts when oh, Ryan God. is not around. Either way, Ali Monroy joining me, Jake Shapiro, today, as well as BSN Buffs' Woo! own Samantha Weaver. She just goes by Sam. I just said Samantha, but she just goes by Sam. Hey. Uh, Sam, back on the podcast. You were podcasting before with us one time for one segment, <laughs> and uh, – We've never done that segment again that went so well. Yeah, I got, got a segment canceled my first time on the podcast. It was awesome. It's so. okay. It was also my fault. I'm just really bad <laughs> at those segments, and I dragged you along, and I asked for your help, and we just both failed miserably. But, hey, some um, Buff fans came up to me multiple times and told me, thank God that segment is canceled. So, you know, we, we did some good to some people. All name team still undefeated and the best. <laughs> uh, but speaking of the best, the Blake Street Tavern down on 22nd and Blake in downtown Den- Denver. It is the place. It is the spot. They call it the big house on Blake for a reason. They have TVs everywhere. They won an award recently. They won the award yes. for best bar in the nation, best sports bar in the nation. I believe it. A huge congrats to their staff, uh, Chris Fusilay, their owner, as well as our really good friend and their bar uh, manager, Tyler Ziskin. Uh, we're so happy for them, and they really deserve it. They are really home for us. So uh, no place like the Blake Street Tavern. We can't stress that enough. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, spring football, men's basketball, uh some recruiting news and uh we've got some women's sports stuff as well as kate fagan was on campus talking we've got the nfl combine i did interviews with xavier johnson and shea field specifically for this podcast so we've got a lot today it's gonna be a good podcast yeah it's gonna be the best podcast we've ever done Ooh, take that ryan can't think of a reason (laughs) why it would be like so we in the pre-show we were like how do we approach this Ryan situation? Should we just not mention it? And should we just, like, talk about, like, should we just, like, Ryan doesn't exist. Uh, apparently, we went with the route of we're going to talk about Ryan every single sentence. <laughs> so this is Ryan's dream. Ryan's not on the uh, podcast, no, and we're going right. to talk about him in every single sentence. So here we're at the about, like, the two-minute mark, 2.30. Let's try and, like, not talk about him for the rest of the podcast. I'm down. That would be, that'd be really preferable, I think, to the listeners. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's start with spring football. They're in their second week. They started last Wednesday. We're recording this on Wednesday, March 1st. It is March Madness time. Uh, Not for the buffs, but we'll get to that in a second. (laughs) Anyways, it is uh, March 1st, and spring football is in full swing. I think they're on practice number four or five today. And what we've learned about this team with our own eyes has been, well, nothing because the practices haven't been open. But Sam is our photographer and Sam gets to go inside practice for 20 minutes while they're stretching. So, Sam, <laughs> how do the stretches look? Stretches look really good. I mean, I'm in there Are for... Are they flexible? Have not they been doing really. yoga? Not, it doesn't appear Ugh. like they've been doing yoga. Um, a lot of stretching and a lot of drills, but uh, nothing, nothing too exciting. Shea Fields could use the downward dog a little bit, huh? <sighs> yeah. He, uh, we interviewed him today. I interviewed him, uh, and that will be later in the podcast. But Shay's a little thick right now. Uh, I'm not even going to lie. Really? And if Shay were to listen to this and hear me say that, I think Shay would agree with me. And it's not that Shay is like Are you sure like he would agree fat. with you or he would be upset? I don't care. It's Shay Fields. 
he'll be fine. Does he'll bounce he a, back. Get a he'll little be beer belly. What? When you're looking at Shea Fields, though, it's it's highlighted by the fact that he's been wearing a crop top around. Yeah, the a blackout custom boys made crop blackout top. boys crop top does not help um, the situation. So he's like showing off the fact that he's got a little belly. It's like, and I've been in this situation because I am also a male. Uh, when I first grew chest you're a guy? hair, yes. Oh my god. Yeah, uh, yeah. Shocking news on the BSFL. <laughs> but I'm just saying because like you guys can't relate. But like when I first grew a little chest hair, like I wanted to show off the fact that I had chest hair. Like, I feel like Shea Fields just got a few hairs on his belly, so he's like, look, everybody, I am growing up. That's a question you should have asked him today. Or he can't Do fit you in his compression tops. Do you have a few hairs on your stomach? Well, I could see the few hairs on his stomach because I was standing looking at his belly button because he's a foot taller than me. <laughs> uh, let's not start this talking about that far. before I start <laughs> laughing so hard. This is my life. <laughs> Uh, anyways, spring football news and notes. Uh, a couple position switches. George Frazier's practicing with the defensive line. Brett Towns is practicing with the offensive line. Donovan Lee is playing cornerback right now. Uh, not to be confused with Lee Walker like I've done like eight times today. Donovan Lee Walker. Uh, that happens to me all the time. I-, I know they've been around for a while, but still. I think it happens uh, to a lot of people, actually. Yeah. Uh, Lee Walker is practicing with the wide receivers, and I talked a little bit with Shea about the wide receivers. We'll get to that later. But basically, that wide receiver position is so stacked and that running back position is so stacked that it makes sense you put Donovan Lee with the defensive backs Mm -hmm. because although there's a lot of uh, names there, Isaiah Oliver is really the only proven guy. Afolabe Laguda has been good in stretches. Ryan Moeller played linebacker really last year, that nickel linebacker buff position. Nobody's really proven, so the more names you can throw into that pot in the secondary, I think the better you look. And you look at a guy like Evan White down there in the the secondary, uh, Ronnie Blackman even, Trey Udofia. There's a lot of names in that secondary, and I know Sam has gone through kind of talking to different guys in the secondary, and she's working on an article that she's going to drop early next week um, about the secondary. And, Sam, you know, looking at who's going to step up and who you see, you've been around practice every day. What are you kind of hearing? What are your kind of thoughts about where the buffs are going to go on that defense? So we don't really know exactly who's going to be starting where in the secondary yet. Um, We talked about Anthony Jolmese a little bit with uh, Coach Mack last week. He said he wants him to be one of the mainstays at cornerback, but um, everybody's still kind of fighting for positions over there outside of Isaiah Oliver, who's obviously going to be one of the starters. Right, and Isaiah Oliver is having himself uh, – we talked about it a little bit last week in the podcast, but he broke another school record in the track and field this week in the heptathlon. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, so he's been really busy, and he's, like, going to football practice and then running track. So I don't know when he goes to class. Uh, he goes to <laughs> – let's put it this way. He goes to class as often as I do, except he's, like, not – sitting at his computer, like, tweeting all day. So he's making great use of his time, uh, better use of his time than me. But also in that secondary, uh, you know, Mac has talked about it a little bit, but there's so many question marks, and then you've got Shadon Brown, the new defensive secondary coach, and it's kind of a tough position to be in, and I understand why they throw Donovan Lee into that situation because he's such a good athlete, and you look at – uh, you know, a couple of recruits that'll be coming in that'll probably have a chance to play right away because the really only proven thing, as we said, is Oliver. And, you know, you can kind of uh, relate that to the wide receivers. It's the exact opposite situation where so many guys are proven that they're having a hard time trying to figure out where they're going to play guys. Yes, Jawan Winfrey isn't back yet. Bryce Bobo's not completely healthy. But when you look at a guy like Jawan Winfrey, who's supposed to play on the outside, or Katie Nixon, who's supposed to play in the slot, and you already have Devin Ross and Jay McIntyre in the slot and Bryce Bobo and Shea Fields outside, uh, if there aren't any injuries, it's kind of where are you going to slot these guys. And these are not ba- bad problems to have. Not these are all. problems the Buffs haven't had in years. But you have so many names uh, – in that wide receiver slot. So I was really interested when I talked to Shea about it today. Uh, like I said, we'll get to that. But the other interesting uh, position switch I think is or really interesting is George Frazier uh, going mm-hmm. to the defensive line. Obviously, he cannot catch a football. Uh, I think we <laughs> learned that last year. Oh, so and if George Frazier is listening, yeah. uh, you can, I hope you, you don't run into me late you at night. You, you, oh, there were so many drops. It was so – so frustrating. Like, he can't – even if he is listening to this, he can't blame us for saying something If like that. George doesn't drop that pass at Michigan that Montez throws, they might win that Michigan game. Oh, my God. It was uh, so that was That was the biggest drop of the year, possibly, and it was by George. And He had multiple big drops. 
Right. And then you look at like the tight end situation in general. They Their top three tight ends didn't get a catch until the bowl game, mm-hmm. which was ridiculous. So moving George out of that position, he's a really good blocker, and I think he did a good job there. But Bo Bichorette has kind of stepped up as that fullback. I know he's a lot smaller, and he's not like a traditional – fullback and he can't really play on the line like Frazier did but Bo Bichorette you know is a hell of an athlete and he is definitely staying at running back you know I know every Buffs fan wants him to move the linebacker because it's an easy solution but they recruited him to play running back he wants to play running back so they're letting him play running back and George Frazier moving to the defensive line kind of moves Bichorette into more space and more time on in that running back fullback role uh, which I think is good for him but more moreover Frazier played defensive line two years ago for the Buffs, and he wasn't phenomenal, but he's good, and they have so many holes on the defensive line right now. And my initial prediction that was they were going to start Malumba, Edwards, and Hamilton all on the defensive line, all the Juco guys. But Shamar Hamilton is not big enough to play with his hand in the ground. He is skinny. Uh, that's the guy uh, we saw today, number 13, Sam, that I pointed out to you. And he looks more like a cornerback than he does a defensive lineman. And... I think they're going to put him in that outside linebacker role that Jimmy Gilbert somewhat played last year. Uh, so, you know, there's still a lot of questions and a lot of moving parts, but that's what spring ball is for, and we're so far away from the season. People have asked me my win predictions and whatnot. We're way, far, we're way too far away from that. When you have George Frazier, one of the team captains, not sure what position he's going to play. Mm-hmm. I think we have to wait till fall camp to even start really accurately making win predictions for next year especially because there are no open practices for the media to see this year for spring practice. Yeah, my win prediction will uh, – last year, we, we, we've talked about it already. It's, it was four. There were four open practices. So this year my cop-out is there have been zero, win, there have been zero open practices, <laughs> so I'm predicting zero wins. Right now I'm predicting Ouch. zero wins. I am on the rector, record as zero wins right now. Oh, wow. Uh, the other thing right now uh, going on – get some hate for that one. <laughs> I, I really don't care. <laughs> I, I took it all last year. I have people in the athletic department calling me four. Oh, wow. Like higher-ups in the athletic department that have heard about this and just call me four now. Anyways, we also got Stephen Mont, and they're going to start calling me zero, which is, like, even worse. <laughs> You're a zero, Shaf. Okay. Uh, we've got Stephen Montez uh, lost a lot of weight, and he's been on the record as saying he feels like he's not dragging as much. Last year he said he was dragging a little bit when he was running the hurry up. Uh, so that's really good news for Colorado that Stephen Montez is in a little bit better of shape. Uh, you know, he's definitely supposed to be the starter, and – I can't tell you how he's looked, but I, you know, he talked to Shea, he talked, or Shea talked about him today and said he really likes the ball coming out of his hand. And uh, that's how I will get you to that Shea interview. But first, uh, we got to talk about what Shea Fields tweeted today uh, because <laughs> oh my God. I have no idea what this means. Well, do we really have to talk about this? Yes, we do. Uh, if you don't follow Shea Fields, you might are be a good thing. Apparently for missing out. But, no. Oh, this was the Kennedy Leonard tweet, which that. was really cute. But the Shea Fields tweet was not cute. Uh, Shea Fields tweeted, and this was 20 minutes after I interviewed him, mind you. <laughs> um, I'm listening to, quote, I'm listening to jerkin' music right now, and I feel like getting off. Sad cry face, end quote. I don't think that's no, the cry. I think like that's it's the sweating face. It's the sweating face? Like a, yeah, that's like yeah. the stress face. It, is there any way he does not mean this sexually? I don't think you can mean that unsexually. It's a face with a cold sweat, according to um, Mac. Okay. Mac, the MacBook, not MacIntyre. MacIntyre emoji (laughs) expert, as we learned last summer when he was tweeting out fire emojis. Literally. Uh, That was – God, I have to mention his name again. Ryan was going to write that article (laughs) last year. Uh, I haven't heard of this. And he never did. So when Mac was tweeting out last summer, like all of this, like he literally tweeted out like Drake on top of Folsom, like views or whatever with like eye popping emojis. Like Mac, and I think that might be even the last tweet on Mac's timeline. But we were like quote tweeting it like there's no way. Like like, it had to be one of his sons running the Twitter account. I bet it wasn't Jay, but it was Johnston or something like Mm. that. And uh, Ryan over the summer was going to write an article uh an oral history about how Mike McIntyre became woke. Uh, that did not get published on BSN Buffs, <laughs> but uh, there was a draft, and it was phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. Uh, either way, uh, 
here is that interview with Colorado's star wide receiver, Shea Fields. I called him a star wide receiver. Darren Cheverini did not like it, and he was standing right behind Shea. Uh, he disrupted the interview, and then Isaiah Oliver disrupted the interview because it's Shea Fields. So just deal with that. So you got the Blackout Boys crop top on. Blackout Boys alive and well. Uh, I mean, of course. We did, we're just waiting on the arrival of one more, Jawan Winfrey, but pretty soon we'll, we'll all gel and be perfect. That's kind of my question to you. You return every single one of your players. I know Bryce is still getting healthy, mm-hmm. and uh, you don't have KD here yet, but you don't lose anyone. In fact, you get some additions. How competitive is it going to be at this position for you guys? I mean, it's going to be very competitive, as Coach Max said today earlier. I mean, if you can look over your right and left shoulder and know that you can get beat out any day, I mean, that's great competition, especially for everybody, whether it's the slot, the outsides, backup starters. You know if you, if you miss a day or don't do well, you can get your spot taken. When you look at your future, I know you're a guy with your eyes set. I'm playing professionally and whatever. But you know that, hey, there's guys coming knocking on my door here in college. I got to stay up. How much of a driver is that for you to make sure you're on the top of your game every single day? I mean, I mean, it's a driver, especially since uh, I, mean, I know I can play at the next level. But that, that's going to have to wait. I mean, I'm here at Colorado playing Colorado football, and I have to worry about that first. When you look at your relationship with Steven compared to Cepho, what are some of the differences? Uh, he, he, he uh, the way he throws the ball, honestly, uh, he put, he puts more zip on it. We know he can make the, the hard throws. He can make the easy throws, whether it's, he's on the left side and he's throwing it all the way to the right. We know he can make that. Sefo can make it too, but I, I feel Montez had a, has a stronger arm than Sefo. Second year, uh, Chev's been here basically a full year now because he's here for last spring ball. I know you feel very comfortable in his offense as proved by last year. <laughs> He's your star wide receiver. Hey, man. Yes. What's up? I was literally just asking just about Just messing with my interview, man. Dang. <laughs> you want to do my interview for me? All right, then. Um, you know, second year uh-huh. under Chev's offense. How comfortable are you? Is that even a question at this point, really? Uh, it's not really a question. I mean, I'm here for my guys, my players. Coach Shave is going to call the plays. He's, he's not going to be out there with us, but, I mean, he's going to call the plays for us, and we just have to execute. That's, that's all I'm here for. Looking on the other side, uh, mm-hmm. secondary completely different when you're running in practice right yeah. now. I know a lot of the guys in the secondary that are going to start this year are the mm-hmm. guys that you faced last year in practice. Who stood out to you last year that you say, this is a little under-the-radar guys us people in the media aren't really talking about? Well, it's not Isaiah Oliver. He, 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 he He's not that good to me. He, he's getting cooked every practice. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, I would say, uh, so far, I would say Wiggly. Dante Wiggly. Uh, he's, he's, he's impressed me so far, especially since he's come from a Juco. And uh, he's, he, he showed me a little bit that he could play uh, D1 football with, uh, in, in the Pac-12. You know, that leadership group from last year, I don't know what you guys actually called it. The, I guess they were captains last year. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, they weren't leaders, but uh, or they weren't captains. Yeah. Uh, but George is the only guy that comes back. Are you a guy that's maybe eyeing a role on that captaincy? And if, if you are or if you aren't, who else is kind of stepping up to be one of the leaders of this team? I mean, as, we, I mean, as you know, we have George, uh, Jeremy, and uh, Phil. <clears throat> but, I mean, if I'm a captain, so be it. If I'm not, I'm still going to lead my receivers, lead the offense, do what I have to do to get us in shape for the season. You know, one, one last one here, but mm-hmm. and I hate to ask it, but you know, two really bad losses last season. Yeah. How much does that stick in your mind when you wake up every day when you come to practice? Uh, is that something that's you keep in your mind to try and motivate you, or is that something that you know you try to forget about and just move on? I mean, that's that's something that's going to be in the back of our mind, especially on offense. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the defense can only do so much, and then especially with the field position and the ways that we put them in bad situations. I mean, it sticks on us as an offense, and we know we could have did better. We just, I guess, bodies got tired, didn't know what to do in those situations. But this year it'll be different. You know, looking at that, mm-hmm. that experience from last year, playing 14 games, how much does that help going into this year to prepare your body to play that long? Uh, I mean, it helps a lot, especially since we know what it takes, we know how to get there, and now we have that experience in those 14 games, so we know what it's going to take to actually play 14 games. If we do make it to the college playoffs, so be it. We have that extra drive to get those extra two games. Thanks, Chef. Thank you. Yeah. Good job, Shay. That interview was brought to you by the Colorado Keg House in Broomfield, right next to the First Bank Center, with 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. They're the home for Colorado craft beer. From wheat beers to nitrous to IPAs to owls, nobody does craft beer like the Colorado Keg House. Ales. You can sit at their huge bar, their tables, you can drink their ales, or lounge area, but no matter where you sit, 
you'll be in front of a TV with sports on. So next time you're looking for something to do, go down to the Colorado Keg House off Wadsworth and 36 in Broomfield. What if I talk like this for the entire podcast? Do you think people would still listen? Probably not. Okay. I would leave. I, I can I don't know what it is. Like I can only do that when I'm reading. Like I can't actually talk. No, like yeah, that. you do that when you anchor sometimes. Right. I just start talking like that. I don't know. And I, it's not like a purpose thing. It's like mm-hmm. it's, it's unconscious. I've noticed. It's that. because of the way you say Colorado. Colorado. My yes, Colorado. That's exa- I notice that every yeah. single time. Yeah. So my uh, my uh, professor, my journalism professor, I did a package on Colorado women's soccer and just said it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's it's just like, so pronounced. He's, he's like Asian, Colorado. right? And he's like, "Do you have an accent? Like, I've never heard someone pronounce Colorado that way." Can you say Colorado normally? Colorado. Nope. Colorado. Nope. No. <laughs> That's like my Colorado. 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 Hey, it's weird. Colorado. <laughs> Is that how you're supposed to say it? Like, no, it's Colorado. No, apparently. So it's like Colorado. Yeah, it's Colorado. Oh. See, like that's how like. I don't I know. It's the Colorado. whole. Yeah, that's my too. Midwest coming out because you say A's instead of O's. Like say pasta, hot dog, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. I feel so. you. Over at Chicago because they say like jacket and shit like that. Yeah, jacket. Exactly. The fact that yeah, I used to matter. I used to have um, a strong Philly accent. Thankfully, it went away. I'd be like, yeah, I'm water, and I just need to get everything. Get and that just, John. Like, get that John. Get some Johnnies <laughs> <laughs> or Jimmies. <laughs> I really. I really, like, like out of all the accents you could have had, like, you could have had an East Coast accent, you could have had a Philly accent, you could have had, like, a, like, a, uh, like, like a Central American, South, South, South American, American accent. That's like, where Ecuador is. <laughs> hey, not Central America. I won my seventh grade geography beat. Are you, you are sure? not allowed to correct me in geography. Oh, uh, well, you just said it wrong, so I think I can't <laughs> correct you. <laughs> no. I'm actually, I've never been wrong. Um, I've never been wrong I think many listeners know that you've been wrong multiple times. I literally can't remember a time when I was wrong. I even literally in the last can't. Hour. <laughs> anyway, but like you ended up with no accent out of all the accents possible. I know. I went to Miami and people said. Except I you had, had an accent there when you said Miami. Really? Like it was like it was like East Coast. Well, yeah, I say yeah, yeah, yeah a lot, and people get mad at me for that. But sorry. Um, I went to Miami once, and they told me that I had a country like Jessica Alba and like. Like, weird, like, a country accent. Like, I talked like a hillbilly. And I was like, excuse me, no. Well, there's parts of, like, Pennsylvania that are, like, extreme. Well, there's parts of Virginia. Like, when I say Northern Virginia or D.C. when people ask me where I'm from, because, like, when you think of Virginia, you think of, like, Southern Virginia. Like, very Southern. But, I don't know. I think of the guy that was on 7 News one time uh, that missed his flight to, quote, Virginia. Oh, my God. That's what I think of when I think of Virginia. Anyways, uh, enough about me being craziest person on the planet. Uh, Max Borgie, uh, <laughs> Buff Scout Max Borgie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first thing that happened, we have a group chat here at BSN Buffs between Ryan, Allie, and I. Uh, most of the time, it's just like the podcast. Uh, Allie sends sigh faces, and Ryan makes puns. I texted. Well, the it's group been on Twitter before. Um, I don't right. know what – during some game, there was so many puns, and I was just like, why, 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 why? Yep, that's what it's like. So uh, Allie awful, didn't even catch this one, uh, but I texted the group that the Buffs were getting Max Borgi, and Ryan's pun was, I hope he runs as fast as a Lamborghini. And I said, at maximum speed. And I was we were very disappointed we didn't get a reaction because – you know, uh, speaking of not getting a reaction, Ryan's Jimmy's joke last week uh, that went over all of our heads. Yeah. Uh, let's it didn't go over the listeners. Some of the listeners, though. Matt Cisneros, quote, spit out his drink, end quote. Same with Will Whalen. Yep. <laughs> he was dying laughing. I saw that one. But anyways, the Buffs got Max Borgie, uh, best running back recruit in the state, three, four star, uh, depending on where you look. Another Colorado boy. Yep, played at Pomona with Jake Moretti, ran behind him. I've talked to Matt McChesney, of course, owner of 6-0 Strength, former Buff, former Bronco, about Borgie. And, you know, the way Matt talks about Jake Moretti is special. You ne- I've never heard Matt talk about a guy I mean, like your that. Ar- your article says all of it. Right, and Matt, Matt can hype guys up. He talks a lot of, about a lot of guys mm-hmm. very passionately. Jake was a different level, but – he has a lot of great things to say about Max Borgie as well. He's part of the Dungeon family and all that. And Borgie's a guy that could have gone a lot of different places, and he's coming to Colorado. And that is good news because 
they are winning back the state of Colorado one recruit at a time. And I know to the people that listen to this are always like, why can't the Buffs get every commit out of Colorado? One, that's impossible. Two, if you really think about it, look at what the Buffs team would be right now. They'd have three McCaffreys, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and that would be pretty great for CU. But point being is if they can do this in the future where they're getting you know the biggest recruits in the state, they're going to be in good shape. Uh, obviously, they're going to have to win Texas and California as well because the Colorado football team is not going to win much games, uh, many games. So, But if they're getting the cream of the crop from Colorado, Jake Moretti represents that. Max Borgi represents that. Even Sendstrom represents that. Uh, I mean, Phil Lindsay. Good straight. Yeah, but like, absolutely <laughs> loves Colorado. Phil Lindsay was not as highly rated as a commit as Max Borgi. But one of our questions we got on the podcast this week was if Phil Lindsay would receive Heisman votes, not win the Heisman, but receive votes. And I think that's a very easy answer. I'm going to say yes. I'm I think Phil yes Lindsay's going to have a huge year. And I've said this on the podcast before, but my pregame column going into the Alamo Bowl was if Phil Lindsay was going to have a big game, and I thought he was going to do that just with how the things were lining up. Uh, I was going to write the column that Phil Lindsay was on the Heisman watch for 2017. I mean, a lot of people thought about, um, thought about that last year. He had a great year. I mean, every single time there was something going on with that team, you would just see Twitter going crazy saying, feed Phil, because that's what you had to do. I mean, he is just such a strong running back, and I definitely agree that he'll get some votes. I don't think he'll win it, but I think he'll get some votes for sure. Matt, uh, Sam, you've kind of – you follow more the national football scene. Uh, looking at kind of Phil Lindsay, where he ranks up against other running backs, you know, in college football this year, the ones that are going out to the draft, uh, what makes kind of, in your eyes, Phil Lindsay unique and compared to the other running backs? And can he be a difference maker uh, at the next level? I, I know because you are really into scouting. And uh, I think Phil Lindsay's probably a little bit small to be an NFL running back, but you can tell me that. I mean, the first every time we talk about running backs at CU, you always say they need to get bigger, and mm -hmm. Alex Fontenot certainly that guy. Bo Bichurette could be that guy. But Phil Lindsay, he's a football player at the end of the day. I mean, there's, there's a huge difference between a difference maker and somebody who's, like, really going to succeed at the next level. I think Phil Lindsay has um, a lot of abilities and talents obviously that make him like a really good running back but he's just so small especially when you're talking about the NFL especially when you're talking about how how big those um defensive linemen are and these guys that he has to get through you're talking about I, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it at that level yeah I mean I don't really think people are have asked that question that's why I wanted to ask it to you but I I think that Phil is definitely out of anyone that could get Heisman votes next year I think Phil on CU is probably the person to do that you know Maybe Shea Fields goes off. I know he likes catching passes from Montez. You heard that earlier in the podcast. But I, I think Phil is the star of CU going the next year. Yeah, I don't think – I couldn't see him in the NFL, but I think his size definitely gives him an advantage in a sense here in, like, college football because he is so small and the O-line has struggled. He is able to just – there's not that big of – they don't have to make that big of holes for him to run through. And so it gives him an <laughs> advantage – of being smaller that he can get through those holes and make plays. There are definitely small running backs who are successful both in college and in the NFL. But um, I don't know. A lot of it is like the amount of carries he gets too. I mean, mm -hmm. he is warned. I mean, he gets worn with CU. And yeah. that was really only last year because he split the load with Christian Paul and Michael Adkins a little bit. Michael Adkins still on the team apparently. Uh, oh, really? He's going to be one of those guys that people look at on the roster in fall ball and are like, Wait, Michael Atkins? That was the way, that was Tyler Hennington this year for people. I, I always love that one person that always makes people go, oh, really? I'm really excited to see um, the way Mon um, Phil plays with Montez because he had such a strong connection with Cepho, and he had such – I mean, Cepho was a dog to him. And I'm really excited to see and hear what he has to say about Montez because he is younger because he doesn't have as much experience. And Cepho really, really proved himself to this team, and that meant so much to Phil and – to the rest of this team. So I'm really excited to see the way Montez fits in and if he has proved himself to this team and how Phil will play with him because something that was so 
good for him last year was the connection that Sefo and Phil had. I'm actually going to make Sam write that article next. Uh, that's a great idea because Sam has the perfect picture for that article mm. from after the Alamo Bowl when Phil has his arm around oh, Sefo. Yeah. It's one of the cutest pictures picture. of CU all time. Uh, and, of course, Sefo in uh, the story we did about him, uh, s you know, Phil talked about Sefo and just like, you know, we're, the, we're the big dogs mm -hmm. round down, uh, <laughs> which is like one of the greatest quotes of all time uh, from Phil Lindsay, who is full of, uh, oh, he's not full of, he's full of a lot, but I'm trying to say he's not full of He crap. just has he's so full much emotion. Full of good quotes, full of emotion, full of He good just plays. loves talking. He loves just being like motivating his team. Like Could you say I'm the, I'm the Phil Lindsay of the BSN Buffs podcast? I love motivating my team. I'm a team player. Um, uh, I'm small. I probably won't project well at the next level. <laughs> <laughs> like, college is definitely my high point. You've already peaked here. Oh, I've definitely peaked. Yeah. <laughs> I think I peak every single time I walk into the course event center with, like, three or four girls, and I'm like, look at how awesome I am. And people are like, just wait, buddy. You're not that awesome. <laughs> That's uh, one of our friends in the media kind of ha I had that basic conversation with him and just he goes just wait you're not that awesome the listeners me. are probably listening to this and just shaking their head and being like oh Jake <laughs> well that my whole life isn't oh Jake yeah <laughs> I mean Sam knows right Allie knows I mean, at this point my life is like everyone a, knows at this point knows, you knows that, <laughs> knows that uh, you know it, it's kind of a lock so to speak you know the the the, the title I have on my life is just being no. You gotta love you. No. <laughs> but it, it, if you're looking for, let's say, a lock and, uh, well, a safe, really. Let's say, let's call it a safe, not just oh, a lock. Oh, a safe. And you need a place to go. You need an outlet. Oh, and it's in Colorado. You go to Colorado Safe Outlet. Colorado Safe Outlet has the largest selection of safes in Colorado. Don't waste your time at big box retailers looking at safes that don't suit your needs. Instead, come to Colorado Safe Outlet where an expert will set you up with exactly what you need. No more, no less. Once you pick the perfect safe, they will deliver it to your home fast and easy. Check them out online at coloradosafeoutlet.com or visit one of their two locations in Centennial or Stapleton. You really missed your calling as the voiceover guy for commercials. I just, like, I want to be, like, I, I, I mean. No, you could be an auctioneer. Ooh. You should come you to auction go. cattle or can something. Because I'm hosting Sports Mag this week. Can I write, like, a really fast reader at the end so, like, we can, like, can we do that? That could be the cold open. That could be a cold open. It's me being an auctioneer and welcome to Sports Mac. Does this translate to you being able to rap? Because uh, I feel like you should have a flow. There if you are videos on YouTube if oh, the Buffs God. fans want to check them out. They're not under my YouTube name, but they're no, under somewhere on YouTube. Anyone needs to of find Jake's videos rapping on YouTube. Kanye West Can't Tell Me Nothing with a full music video and me wearing several different jerseys of Chicago Blackhawks and Bulls attire in it. Uh, and I thought I was really good to the point where I showed my parents me uh, – auto-tuned singing Streetlights by Kanye West. And, uh, you know, I thought I was really cool my sophomore year of high school, like like even more so than now. Like my ego's been fractured between I've now and then. I've seen those videos, yeah. No, you haven't seen that. Oh, I haven't those seen that videos. one? Those were senior year of high school. I even came down a little bit from that. My sophomore year of high school was like, you like you like no one should have talked to me <laughs> honestly if you're having a bad day you just need to go to youtube and find jake's videos he has a video where he made um what was it an a ad a video? dating video oh my God, and yes. he has a mohawk and then mullet. he mullet. mullet mullet sorry mullet and a he real has, mullet that i took a year to grow <laughs> oh, he's really serious about that. He got a little upset. <laughs> yeah, because it's a good mullet. Um, and then there's one of him asking his senior date to prom. It just honestly, they're amazing. If you're having a bad day, just go find them. They'll they'll make you laugh. They'll make you smile. She was the senior prom, sweetie. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> that broke my heart and went and went spent okay, the night with so another guy. Anyway. Anyways, uh, <laughs> speaking of girls. Uh, women's basketball team, women's lacrosse, we've got some stuff there. Let's start with the women's lacrosse. I just had to throw this in there uh, because I am friends with some of the girls on the lacrosse team, and uh, I've been told that I need to mention that they are ninth in the country and that I they're need to come write a story about amazing. them. They're doing amazing. They're doing such a good job. They're literally – there's probably, like, seven stories of them every week. Like, they've just been doing so great. They are the – what? If I think this correctly, aside from uh, skiing – They'd be the highest ranked team at CU at any point this year because they're ranked ninth and the highest the football team got was 10th, right, mm -hmm. Al? 
No. Yes. Oh, weren't they ranked ninth at no, one point? They were eighth or something. Yeah, they, they, they might have been. Okay, they so were they're either ninth. They're approaching that territory, so I I had to throw that out there. Uh, and then right now in tenth out of twelfth in the Pac-12 tournament, the Buffs finished tenth in the Pac-12 standings. Women's basketball team uh, having a rebound of a year, not complete rebound, but they've been better as of late. Um, well, I mean, compared to last right. year, they won four <laughs> games last year. And, well, no, they won two in the Pac-12. They won four this year. They won seven overall, and they've already won 15 this year. Yeah. So they are building in first-year head coach J.R. Payne, doing a really good job there. But we got to key in on one player in particular, and that is sophomore guard Kennedy Leonard, who just took home Pac-12 first-team honors, which is very rare for an underclassman. And I will – Drop it! The, drop this. I've been hinting at it on Twitter for weeks kind of now, and I literally have been working on this story for a month. Mm. It is a huge feature on sophomore guard Kennedy Leonard. Uh, I talked to a lot of different people in the athletic department, including Seal Berry, uh, her coaches. I even talked to Tad Boyle and Derek White today about him or about her, Kennedy, and Derek's response. So I, I was asking Derek mm-hmm. uh, because in this story I, I call Kennedy the best – at the best basketball player at Colorado. So I went up to Derek. Me and Derek have a great relationship. I said, Derek, got to be honest with you, buddy. Uh, I just called Kennedy the best basketball player at CU. How you feel about that? And he goes, she cold. So she's I mean, got you Derek have to White's respect. respect. It. Yeah. No, I think she has everyone's respect. She is just winning awards on awards, and she's amazing. And she's I feel like she's a little bit underrated. Um, because she's in women's basketball. And, I mean, of course, most people focus on men's basketball, football, and all of that. But, honestly, you should really check out this feature because it just is an in-depth feature on this amazing girl who's going to help Colorado in so many ways, and she's respected by everyone. I am close to completing the first draft uh, as of today, and it's 7,000 words. Uh, it's going to so be long. Gonna, we're going to cut we're going to cut that yeah. down a little bit, but it's going to be long. It's going to be good read. It's like uh, the Stefo story. I mean, it's just I think that's something that's great about uh, news outlets like BSN. Just there are more in-depth stories like the Stefo story that you get to really learn about these players. And I think Kennedy Leonard is a name that you're going to hear about for the rest of Colorado women's basketball history. And so I think it's really important to know about her. Yeah, let's talk about how great we are some more, Allie. I'm uh, just we did a really dope photo shoot for Kennedy too, and it's awesome. Yeah. So we're gonna I'm just saying. So, yeah, Sam did a really it's good true. job. It's true. And uh <laughs> before before we go into men's stuff, uh Kate Fagan, former Colorado women's basketball player, was here on campus last night uh talking about uh book she's writing about uh forgetting the girl's last name, but uh, it was a runner named Maddie at Penn who committed suicide into her fr- freshman year, and there's a great story on ESPN, one of the best stories I've written, or read by Kate uh, called uh, Split Image it's or something Madison like that. Madison Holleran? Yeah, Madison Holleran, that's who it is. And there's a video package that accompanies that story. It's sad. It's, it's really, really, really sad. sad. It really gets... I teared up. It's it's a rough story, but it really is an issue that needs to be talked about. And Kate's doing a really good job of trying to bring this to the forefront in the mainstream. Uh, and this was definitely not the speech I was expecting from Kate because the speech was called social media and the student athlete. So I was expecting like branding advice, knowing me like I was expecting oh God, brand Jake. tips. But it ended up being ph- phenomenal. Uh, and Kate was very nice. She talked to me a little bit. Ted was there as well. Uh, and she talked to Ted after, uh, and Sam was there yesterday, but just so impressive, uh, what Kate Fagan has done, uh, in her post Colorado basketball career, you know, climbing the ladder to work for ESPN in the capacity that she does. Uh, and she was phenomenal last night. And I, went from you know it's not a thing that you're very psyched to hear about but i'm definitely going to want to read this book i read the story a year ago or whatever that came out and i was like this is amazing and when she started talking about it before i even knew we were going to watch the package the video package i turned to sam i'm like this is something you really need to read Mm -hmm. and then she showed it and you know it's great but it is something that's hard um but it is something that needs to be known especially her story um madison's story the girl who passed away 
it's it's so tough but it really it's a huge issue for students in college and then even more like it's an issue just in every aspect and it really needs to be talked about more and it is hard but I agree I'm definitely going to read the book it's a really great story we're going to transition a little bit to men's basketball now uh the sport that's actually in season here uh (laughs) and they get last on the podcast because that's where the interest is on this team uh, they <laughs> lost to Utah uh, last week in what Allie's calling. Oh, thank God I'm not a fan because that would be frustrating. It was even frustrating. What, what it was frustrating for me. And, like, I just – I can't imagine. It was like watching the Eagles. Like, I just can't even explain it. Like, I was sitting there and I was just like, oh, my God. What is going on? Like, Colorado. Oh, it was so frustrating because there were so many times that they were so close, but they just missed so many opportunities. They weren't playing smart. I mean, Tad Boyle talked about it after the game that they need to be playing smart and they aren't. And it's March. It was end of February. And it's just like, I can't imagine being a fan because I would just be like, I'd be so frustrated and fed up with this team because that's not what I expected. Like as a fan, as, as a reporter, like that is not what I expected coming into this Colorado season. I thought, Oh, f- how many fifth year seniors? Four, four, four fifth year seniors. Junior. I thought that it was going to be a different game and, or a different team and just game after game, they just keep disappointing. And I can't even imagine watching Tyler's skin during that game because I was so fed up. Sam was sitting right next to Tyler because she was pick, taking pictures, and she keeps go, she kept she doesn't know really who Tyler is. She they've only met like once. She goes, "Who's that tall guy again?" <laughs> like he's so obnoxious. I didn't say obnoxious. I said he yells a lot. Yeah, okay. well, I can't well, even imagine not yelling for both. There was, was so the many times it got to a point where there were two, uh, literally a basket away from tying it at the end of the game, and they couldn't do it. That's more frustrating than them just being bad. If they were just straight up bad all the time, it would be one thing. You would kind of just adjust to it. But they're constantly in the running to, like, win these games. And then they occasionally win a game like Oregon where you're just like, yes, yes, that's what this team is capable of. That's what they should be. And then then they let you down next week. It's insane. The most frustrating part for me was they had that chance to tie it on the right in front of their bench, that three-point shot from Dom. And – I literally had never had a call as lined up as I had that one doing play-by-play Ryan's on color. And I just – I lined it up perfectly. Like, I had it mm-hmm. beautifully written out. If he hits that, like, we've got the long extended go. Mm-hmm. You've heard me announce the people that listen to this podcast. So I was like – and then that shot doesn't go in. I'm like, back iron. And that, so just, it was just, like, so deflating. But and that, and, anyone watching that, right. like, it was just I, – and, like, Derek White's performance – so good. It was He's so good. good. His fourth on sports. Dunk. Science. Yeah, exactly. And it was just Tad, wasted. Tad goes to, yeah, Tad goes today. Uh one of the reporters asked him, he's like, So is like Derek better than you thought he would be? He's like, Oh my god. Like every time someone mentions Derek White name around Tad, Tad like it's like, Oh, Derek I'm White. Just so he's happy. just so good. And <laughs> I mean, after the press conference he said Derek White is not the issue on this team. And he said yeah. today that Derek White is maybe the most valuable player we've had here. In Tadwell's mm-hmm. seven-year tenure, and they've had Josh three big-time NBA yeah. players in Spencer, oh, Andre, yeah. and Alec Burks, and they've also had a guy in Corey Higgins was a pr- hell of a player. Josh Scott, very good player. Uh, of course, Carlin Brown. But, you know, when you uh, – today in practice was awesome. Uh, every single men's basketball practice is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> uh, I highly advise you, and they are, they are open if you, if you ask the right people uh, – Tad Boyle in practice is phenomenal, and I can't share with you what he said uh, or says or does, but basically the point comes across uh, in the post game, or not the post game, the, the scrum afterwards, where you know it's March first, and they haven't figured out some of these huge detrimental problems to the team. It's probably not going to happen, and you know this was how we felt in January, but it's still March and they still are having some of these issues. And as we look at their last two home games here, Stanford and Cal on Thursday night and Saturday afternoon. And then you look at the PAC 12 tournament, there has to be such little faith or belief in that this team can do any sort of justice to this season. Uh, If they win two games, if they win these final two home games and they win one game in Vegas, they're probably going to play in the NIT, but it's hard to have faith that they're even going to win these home games against very winnable uh, 
opponents, uh, winnable, they're winnable games. And then you look at Vegas, and anything can happen when you get into tournament ball, uh, including going 4-4. Four and four. That's still, I think, in the cards for this team because they've knocked off teams like Xavier and Oregon. But I just don't have the faith that they're going to be able to do that. And that's why I caught up with Xavier Johnson today to kind of ask him, you know, about the general questions about the men's basketball season as well as, you know, him about to kind of hang it up for Colorado as well as kind of some of the challenges of Vegas. X, you're looking at this right now. It's your last weekend playing at this gym. What does this gym right here mean to you? Uh, a lot of memories here, you know, a lot of good memories, a lot of bad memories. Um, a lot of blood, a lot of sweat and tears, you know, so it's good to uh, be able to play here one last time and move on with my career. Do you kind of see this as a bridging of the gap? But to me, it seems like, you know, you're a guy that's been here for five years. When you were here, the program was completely different than it is now. Do you kind of, you know, as you're kind of way, on your way out, just kind of try to give some lessons to some of the younger guys to make sure they understand what Colorado basketball means to you or what it's meant in the past? Just uh, always working hard, always playing, playing your hardest, do the, do the little things, do the extra, that'll get you ahead in life. You know, looking at right now, this season, Tad always talks about big opportunities and small opportunities. Where are your guys' focus at right now? Because I know it's talking about the postseason's a little bit rough for you guys right now. It's not the best situation and not where you wanted to be. Where are you guys looking at right now? Just winning the next game. That's all you can focus on is winning the next game and let the chips fall where they may. You know, you're one of the leaders on this team, and it's going to be a lot of guys' first experience out in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament. How do you kind of make sure that they keep calm and make sure that they're focused on the goal? Because, you know, as we both know, there's a chance that you guys get hot and get something cooking. Yeah, I mean, uh, preparation is everything, you know. It's going out there and preparing for the game before the game even happens is what's key, you know. You can't go out there and let the bright light scare you and, all the fans and stuff. You go there and go out and just ball and play and do what you do. So we guys keep doing that. When you look at last year, you were on the bench when it happened. Josh had that performance against Arizona in the second last home game. Are you hoping that maybe you can put together one of those performances uh, one last old time here at Coors Event Center? Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter about me. All I care about is the win. So if we win at this point, that's what's key. Um, I'm sure I'll, I'm going to perform because it's on the line, and uh, I'm sure that we're going to do great. Thanks, X. Good luck, buddy. Thanks to X for joining us. Uh, obviously going to play in his last two home games here unless they host NIT games. Uh, no matter what you think about X, uh, he's been here for five years. Uh, you know, 2012, 2013, he was part of the team. Uh, He's going to go down in the record books, not only because he was a really good player, but because he played for so long as some high watermarks there. He's going to finish pretty high up in the Colorado record books in a lot of different categories. Uh, he probably won't be remembered as a great player because he never made the jump from good to great, but he definitely was here for a long, long time. And he you know, is a leader of the team, but he definitely hasn't fulfilled that role to the best of his abilities. Jake um, and Sam, I'm curious as to what you guys think about these seniors. Um, we talked a little bit about it during our post game um, on Thursday, but Tad after the game said that these seniors need to do some soul searching. And that's the only way that he thinks that they can win this game as how they want to leave their mark on this program, how they want to leave. Just do you guys think that soul searching is all they need? I mean, do you think it's even a possibility that soul searching would help them? Because, I mean, Ryan talked about it last week in the podcast. It seems like, yes, they were great players when they had leaders accompanied by them. But now that they had to step up to be the leaders, they just weren't able to do it. So I'm just really curious to see if even soul searching can help this team finish off strong. I mean, the the only leader that like I really see on the court because of his performance is Derek White. And I just – it's crazy. And I just don't – I'm really curious to hear your opinions on if – all this team needs is soul searching these seniors I just I I mean soul searching can't hurt right at this point in the season when they're struggling like this but I don't know that soul searching is going to fix chemistry problems and I don't think it's going to fix what you're talking about with lack of leadership out there on the court because they sometimes do just seem kind of lost I think they're so far past this I don't want to say they've given up on the season but I think they're done I think, I think soul searching yeah. needed to happen months ago. Yeah, like mid-season mark. Yeah, soul searching needed to happen when they 
played one complete game in conference season. It was their first game of the year, or non-conference season. It was their first game of the year, and they only game they've really looked good all around since then has been Washington State despite them beating Oregon and Xavier. They really weren't phenomenal in either of those games. They were phenomenal for stretches uh, in both of those games. Uh, the other kind of thing here that's going to be interesting is George King is going to be a senior next year. This year has been a disappointment to say the least. Him coming off of that Pac-12, uh, he was Pac-12's most improved player last year after his redshirt year. But George is a guy that I think it's hard to criticize him in a way because George went from being basically the primary perimeter threat on the team last year to number three maybe on this team, and there's not someone inside like Josh Scott to open it up for him like there was last year. So, I yes, George King has regressed, but I don't want to say George King has turned himself into a bad player. I think it's a lot to do with kind of where his touches are at and the scenario of the situation, uh, whereas next year I think he's going to have a lot of space to work on the wing because there isn't really those guys next year, and that's why Treshawn Fletcher left. I mean, Jake, you were with me the other day when we were watching George King highlights from last season, and I was like, where is that player this year? Like, where did he go? And, I mean, that's what you got to hope for for the Buffs is that he comes back again as that player next year. But a lot of that is who else is on the court with him. I agree with that. I'm really – I'm – I don't know if he can come back like that. I feel like hopefully he does some soul-searching, and hopefully he realizes that he wants to finish off his career at CU well because – I mean, I mean, he could either finish off his career like Josh Scott or Xavier Johnson. Exactly. And I just, I don't know. I, Of course, any CU fan hopes that he can be what he was um, with depending on who's on the court with him. But I'm really not that sure. Yeah. I, I think uncertainty and, well, uncertainty is a word. Unsureness is not. Uncertainty <laughs> is kind of the characteristic of this program at the moment as well as where they're headed. Uh to answer the question, if it hasn't been answered clearly, no, they're really not on the bubble right now, and they would need to do a lot of work here in the next up to six games to get onto the bubble. Uh, but I think you're looking at an NIT in the best possible situation, and people go, oh, they went four on four. Uh, the four on four, it could happen again. Well, the year they mm -hmm. went four on four in the Pac 12 tournament, 2011 uh, 2012, there was not the team that won the conference, the team that won the conference season that year did not even get in at a large bid. And that's mm -hmm. how weak the Pac-12 that was a uh, year uh, the Pac-12 was that year whereas this year there are three legitimate final four contenders in Arizona, uh, UCLA and Oregon and USC is a very good team that can very well play in the Sweet 16. So Colorado needs to do a lot of work and need to do a lot of work quickly because they have not improved to the level that they needed to uh, over the course of this season and that is a frightening thing as we sit here on March 1st. And don't believe they don't know it. Tad Boyle's very aware of it, but uh, I the mean, players I, haven't stepped up. What um, stands out to me and that's just been sitting in my head since media day was Tad saying that he thinks that these players think that they better, they're better than they are. Like, Tad saw this from the beginning. And it really, like, the players lived up. They thought they were better than they are. And their performance has just lacked in every sense. And it's just that... Tad just had uh, had a feeling before the season even started. And it's just – it's crazy to me that we're still having these types of conversations in March. Well, if you have a poor feeling and you need some pain relief, a really good place <laughs> to go there – to go is Life Flower Dispensary in Glendale. Just south of Denver, it serves medical and recreational marijuana until midnight. They're a one-stop shop and have something for everyone. Whether you're a smoker or prefer to use topical treatments for severe pain, Life Flower can carry a huge variety of edibles and infused sodas, concentrates, flour, and they carry glass too. Check out their menu at weedmaps.com or for specific strains and price details or just show up to Life Flower off Leedsdale. Uh, weedmaps.com, Allie. Do you remember that reference? No. We were watching uh, the uh, Lil Dicky music video the other day, oh, and he has a WeedMaps.com yeah. sponsorship. And, and uh, yeah. Our Is it WeedMaps.com? I thought it was just an app. It might be an app. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that type of person. Sam, I guess you're that type of person. Well, Anyways. A lot of assumptions okay. over there. <laughs> a lot of assumptions. Uh, but I, we had one more Q&A. Uh, we literally had got two real questions in our Q&A. Uh, the second one, uh, the Phil Lindsay one was the first one. The second 
Q&A, the second Q to the Q&A was from our first-time questionnaire, long-time co-host, Ryan Koningsberg, who asked, what's our favorite Ryan moment on the podcast? And Allie, I think that's an easy answer. Today. Today, yeah. yeah. When Ryan wasn't <laughs> a part. Uh, best BSN Buffs podcast we've ever had. Uh, no Ryan Koningsberg. And now I have officially done uh, – Three quarters of a podcast more than Ryan has because I also just missed one. Po- I missed. I've missed one podcast. So Ryan has missed a podcast and a segment over the course of BSN Buffs podcast history. Uh, originally, and here's a. I guess since we're ending, anyways, here's the story. Uh, when we started the BSN Buffs podcast, originally Ryan had a different co-host mm-hmm. that lasted one week. <laughs> I was the co-host week two, and I've been the co-host ever since. So. Uh, anyways, thanks for listening in as always. Uh, stay tuned to all of our content on bsndenver.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Samantha Weaver. Or is it Samantha N. Weaver? You can say it into the mic. You don't need I'm sorry. Samantha N. Weaver. I don't need to talk for you. I got in trouble for talking. You were for you already the talking for but me. The other day, we were. I was requesting players uh, to one of the SIDs. I'm like, Sam will take, you know, because I always just I do that. I'm, I'm, I, yeah. I, t- I, I talk for everyone. I talk for Chase, too, because I'm like, you know, I'm in charge or whatever. I, I like, Chase will take this person, but I did it for Sam. I'm like, Sam will t- I think you were talking to Delian Brown. I, Sam will have Delian Brown. I'll have this person. And Troy's like, Sam could say it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a terrible person. Jake's just like to act like he's in charge all the time. He Anyways. Ooh, she is hot take. Samantha N. Weaver. <laughs> Sam's first hot take. She is Love it. at Ali Monroy 11. I'm at Chapalicious. Follow all of our content on bsndenver.com. Good stuff coming this week, uh, both uh, from me about that Kennedy story. Sam's got that story about uh, secondary. Allie has a story story coming about Tyler Lytle, (laughs) uh, which is an exclusive, so you're going to want to stay tuned to that. Definitely. A lot of stuff coming, so just make sure you stay tuned, and we'll see you next week with the SM Bucks Podcast. Um, So Ryan has been banned from the podcast. For bad takes and bad puns. Bad takes and bad puns. And since Jake didn't barely did any puns today. Since I am the editor of the BSN Buffs podcast, I can make the decision about who comes on the podcast. Ooh. Uh, until the vice president of the company decides to fire me. Until <laughs> until like Ryan just texted me. As for the takes, just remember who makes personnel decisions in this company. Brandon Spano, <laughs> not you, Ryan. <laughs> Brandon Spano. Just so you know, Ryan, it's Brandon Spano. I don't see you signing my paychecks, Ryan. I just said it's called payback um, because I was – I they said that I was gone because of no, suspension. No, he said. Okay, he said, and so it's so called the, payback. So he said, she said, except it was a he said, he said. And – he was just like, mm-hmm, we'll see. So you so, might you might not hear from any of us. We might have a poll. You might. Well, we I might have a poll on my personal Twitter if I am fired. Was the podcast better or worse without Ryan? <laughs> you might not hear from any of us again on this BSM podcast because we might all get fired. I don't know who's going to provide all the information because I'm there every day. <laughs> it's not like they're there. You know, he's there. Who, it's going to be Chase and Ryan. Yeah. That'll be the BSMS <laughs> podcast next week. It'll be Chase and Ryan. Chase, Will, Chase Will can't call say, in sometimes. Will call in and just like – see, this is what I miss about Will is you could like how our rundown looks uh, is we just basically put MBB if we're talking about men's basketball. We don't like provide any questions or anything. Like we just talk about men's basketball and talk about what we're talking about. Will would just be like men's basketball. Okay, I've got a hot take on that one. Like he would know. He had and so like many hot takes. we wouldn't know because he wouldn't put it in the rundown and he would just come in with like Derek White's actual trash. Yeah. Like and Derek White's trash. Do you know Derek White's trash? And like he would say it like that and you're like, oh my god, why are you so combative and why are you so wrong about everything? <laughs> there was some um, I love Will and there was just sometimes when he was on the podcast that I would like he would just start going off on a take and I was just like, I'm just gonna put my mic down and drink some of my beer and maybe go to the bathroom. The hardest part was like when you're hosting it was like trying to figure out like when to stop Will yeah. and when to like <laughs> move like like the summer it was easy because it was like as long as you talk, you can go because we have nothing else to talk about. Yeah, I'm really excited for this summer podcast. We need seriously, we need to. Co- it's pe- gonna turn into a lifestyle, a full on lifestyle. People podcast. should literally tweet at us ideas for the summer podcast. Yes, because we have. I mean, we have to do a podcast every week. We'll uh, do it all. Advertising, and we will. If you want to talk about our inner tube water polo team, Allie, you haven't shown up, and you're the coach to one single game. I'm the leading scorer, FYI. Okay, calm down. I 
just was joking about being a coach, and then I was put in charge. And You're in the group chat. Yeah, I, do I ever say anything in that group chat? No. Exactly. But you, like, don't text me back half the time, so, like. That's not true. If we go back to our texts. There I'm was, like. really bad at texting. True. Okay. Fair. But, honestly, we'll talk about anything. I'm so down. Like, the, um, Kate, Katie Nolan, like, I really want to do that beer mile. Oh, my God. Oh, no. That'll be awesome. Oh, no. Like, please see your concussion doctor first. But, like, <laughs> like I, I just don't need you dying on me. But, like, also, like, me doing a beer model, mile, like, I have those, like, 24-ounce, like, Coors Lights and whatever. Like, those are, like, it's, like, six of those in a mile. And it's just, like, I can, I can barely drink one of those and, like, <laughs> I know. okay. Chuck, it'll be, like, a shotgun and then run. But I think it'll be funny. We've talked about this. Um, night, I think so my the, only competition would be Ryan, possibly. Yeah. 